We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, another Nets loss to the Knicks, 108-103, and another fourth quarter collapse. So, how are we doing? The Nets are chokers. <laughs> yeah, it is rough. It is not a very enjoyable stretch or season for this Brooklyn Nets team. We're going to jump into that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, I guess we start with the fourth quarter in this one. It starts and ends the fourth quarter, Nick. Because if you're going through two and a half, three quarters of basketball, the Nets are probably the better team. The Nets played some pretty good hoops. Mikhail was on. Cam J was on. Cam T was contributing. Clax was rebounding everything in his side. Don't want to mention... Defense was solid. Anybody. Defense was pretty good. You know, they were making the right rotations. They started hitting the three ball a little bit more. And then as soon as the five-minute mark hit, you know, I think Doug Norrie of Locked On Nets kind of like jinxed us because he's like oh the nets are going into the last quarter with a lead what can happen here and it's just like uh, you almost expected it you know yeah. Barclays center was full of knicks fans it was full of spike lee it was full of weird little furry things <laughs> tyra banks whatever else it's just like this was only going to go in one direction despite the fact that mikhail bouncing back again I don't understand what Jacques Vaughn was doing not calling a timeout when one was needed, as he did against the Clippers. I don't understand what he was doing not inserting Cam Thomas when the Nets struggled to create something offensively. Again, Cam Thomas gets thrown out there in the last two minutes. He's like, hey, come and do something for us when like the game is literally gone. And it just feels like to me that this organization is broken. Yeah, right now there's just a you know, a dark cloud over it, you know, just a lot of negativity and bad vibes, you know, it just, you know, like you said, going to the fourth and the Knicks showcased a little energy. It was just like, oh man, they're going to make a run and they're going to win just because that's the way this season's gone for the Nets. And obviously, you know, Knicks are a good team too, but at the same time, like you said, the Nets were the better team for three quarters. They had a really nice third quarter. The momentum was all there, but even the start, the fourth, it was like, it just, it was a weird vibe for the team. I think that bench unit's kind of questionable when they're playing all those small guys. And then he played clacks like 15 straight minutes or something like that because he played the entire third and then he started in the fourth two. It was just, it just, you never really felt good. And then like you mentioned, no Cam Thomas down the stretch. You go with Dennis Smith Jr. who 
you know, plays with a ton of great energy, but offensively is just not good enough really to close a lot of games because he's so sporadic on that end of the floor. I know he made some defensive plays in this one, but at the same time, it's like you, I, I think like thinking big picture, you know, over the course of the last week or so about this team and how Vaughn handles things and talking with you in the DMs. One thing that really sticks out is like Jock Vaughn is terrible at balancing lineups, you know, balancing offense versus defense. He typically likes to lean too much to other things instead of offense when at the end of the day scoring points is the most important thing in the NBA especially in the fourth quarter when it gets tougher to hit shots and get buckets yeah I just feel like he is look we saw what he said before the game pregame about the fourth quarter stuff and look I think it's worth bringing it up right now Nick because it relates to to what we're discussing and I'll quickly get the quote up and this is via you know, a couple of beat reporters, but this one directly is via Brian Lewis. And it is staggering to hear. And he had another staggering thing to say about Lonnie Walker. We might get to that. He said this, usually on a game day, a game day I wouldn't have watched the fourth quarter with our group. But we watched the fourth, we watched the fourth quarter shoot around. I don't think players watch film like they used to. They watch highlights. You need to watch the film and they need to see what actually happens. What? Yeah. What? I don't know. I mean, unless we're just really out of touch with the rest of the NBA, it does feel like guys do actually watch film, at least great players do, and good teams do watch film. So I don't know if this is a, a Nets player issue or why the coaching staff isn't enforcing them and getting them to watch more film, especially when a lot of the issues with this team are pretty predictable and repetitive. And then also it's just like, it just, I mean, it's almost like throwing shade at his players once again, you know, saying like, yeah, these guys don't watch film. They just watch highlights. It's like, what do you do with highlights? And then also, you know, listening to the broadcast, Van Gundy's constantly bringing up, you know, Nets are playing defense and they're not doing a good job forcing, you know, ex Knicks player to their weak hand. And it kind of goes with some of the game planning in the overall team is just like, they're not prepared. It just kind of seems like sometimes they're just thrown out there and they don't really know what know what the plan is it's just like go play basketball yeah and look Jacques Vaughn's reactivity word salads like he he's verbal diarrhea man yeah like I, guess, I mean his I, pressers have gradually gotten worse and worse and worse and I think we're at a point now where you know we're expecting a, a pretty terrible statement every time at least one of them yeah, I feel like I'm gonna need to mute the word Jacques and Vaughn on <laughs> on Twitter. Like I just have to for my own sanity, Nick. You know, after I can't remember who it was that originally posted the photo of Jacques Vaughn smiling, leaning back, cross folding his arms after the Nets go down by after giving up 22 straight points to the Los Angeles Clippers, and then keeps spewing bullshit after bullshit after bullshit pre-game, talking about Lonnie Walker, how he's made one bad mistake, you can't foul that guy, and then just yanks him out of the game despite being one of the most effective offensive players. His reasoning, like, he needs to have his brain studied for the decisions that he makes or doesn't make. It just feels like, what goes on in that man's head? It's like the monkey, like, clapping the symbols half the time. It's like the Jimmy Neutron gift that I post, like, a billion times. Like, he is idiotic in, like, what he explains. He's like... I think you've said this. It's like a guy trying to be smart and just spewing bullshit and thinking it comes off as smart, but it actually makes you, it makes you look even freaking stupider. 
Well, I think what makes him look, you know, not very intelligent is the fact is that he doesn't have much rationale and there's not much consistency. You know, you mentioned him him talking about, you know, minutes are determined by his guys, players, performances and things like that. And then we see all these different times where minute allocation is not reflected off of play and guys are still given big minute allocations, even if they're not playing well. And then at times where it feels like, oh, maybe you should lean into this guy a little bit more or maybe extend his minutes. He doesn't do that. I think, you know, a great example was today in the first quarter with Cam Johnson was clearly, you know, cooking, you know, he was doing his thing and he looked like he was going to have a really big game. And then it was just a super quiet first half for him after that. You know, he had the little spurt in the first quarter, didn't ended up getting pulled at his regular minute rotation where it's just like, all right, you can adapt a little bit if a guy is hot right now. And then in that second quarter, they don't even run any plays to keep Cam Johnson in momentum and rhythm. And obviously he didn't have a great finish to the fourth quarter. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's just like you need to help put these players in position to be successful, especially when you're constantly saying in pressers, you know, we don't have all-stars. We can't rely on ISO. Well, call more sets, have more of a focus in a game plan. And again, we don't know if, you know, players are executing, but at the same time, you know, matching up what he's saying, the vibes of the team and all those different things, it just doesn't add up. And I think, there's a level of frustration with this team and a lot of guys are underperforming. But at the end of the day, when someone's, you know, making mistakes like he is, it becomes more frustrating. Yeah, we saw a coach get fired today with the break and his team had a record of 13, 30 and 13. Like a team that was 17 games above 500 and was on their way to probably being a top two or top three seed in the East. Yet we, as an as Nets fans, the Nets organization, accept mediocrity from our head coach. That's just what what it is. Like, uh, name for me like two, three NBA head coaches better than Jacques Vaughn. Like I on like I can't. Like I, I legitimately can't. You can make arguments for Steve Clifford's Monty Williams this season for the Pistons, Darvin Ham at different stretches for the Lakers, Chauncey Billups in in Blazerland, but I, I think Jacques Vaughn is worse. Like and for and for the reasons that we've outlined, podcast after podcast after podcast, like it it just feels like we're heading towards Jacques Vaughn being fired anyway. Like yeah. how how can he in the last thirty eight thirty five games, however long we've got left, God, it's still we're still only halfway through the season. Um, however much longer we have left as Nets fans, Jacques <laughs> Vaughn isn't going to retain his head coaching position. He isn't, Nick. Like, unless there is a, a revitalization from DeJounte Murray or D'Lo or whatever comes back and then they spark some sort of change, Jacques Vaughn is not along for the Nets organization. Make the change now. Give Kevin Ollie or whoever else a go at it. And let's just keep riding with this. Something has to change. I'm like, I'm getting overhearing myself spew the same shit over and over. I can't imagine how our listeners feel and other Nets fans feel about it because it's just repetitive bullshit right now well it also just feels like the players you know don't care for him you know based off of his comments and just kind of the vibes with some of the guys and obviously we know the whole situation with spencer dinwiddie and all that too so it's just like i like you said you know get it done with go to one of the intern coaches on the bench and you know go for your coaching surf uh coaching search you know in the offseason and see what you can do and hopefully you can land a really good coach because they haven't been able to done, do so in, you know, a few years. You know, the last good coach they had was Kenny Atkinson, you know, and obviously wasn't necessarily the best fit with uh, Katie and Kyrie, but did a great job with the other groups they had in this team. We know how uh, we both had felt about Steve Nash and the rest of the fan base felt about him. And then we thought things couldn't get worse. And Jacques Vaughn, 
you know, maybe I don't know if he's as bad as Steve Nash. He probably is. But it also is worse in the sense of like we saw Vaughn coach his team in the beginning of the year and they he was seemed to be doing things well and making good decisions. And then it just went completely downhill. And now we're at the spot we're in now. And it's just like it just becoming a task to watch games because no matter how well they play for majority of the time, you know, they're going to blow it in the fourth. Yeah. And that's like the players and executing like Cam. I got plenty of criticism for some Cam Johnson criticism that I had. Cam Johnson missing an open three, missing a relatively open layup, despite having three and a half good quarters of the game. Full credit to him. He was on. He had like 11 points in that first quarter. But when the shots matter, it feels like the, when the, it's the Jared Allen meme. You know, former Brooklyn Nets, great. When the lights get bright, they were brighter than expected. And the Nets can't handle that. Like whether it's the Knicks fans like destroying the, the home base at Barclays Center, like it just feels like someone has to do something, but no one can. And it feels like when there is people that can do something, Jacques Vaughn prevents them from doing it by not initiating sets for them, by not putting them into positions to succeed or not playing certain players that should be freaking out there in the first place. I'm not putting this all on Jacques Vaughn. You know, there's, there's collective blame to go around. But when the same things keep happening and Jacques Vaughn keeps making those same mistakes and keeps failing to make the same decisions, I'm going to keep criticizing him until the cows come home. Yeah, I think an interesting you know aspect of this whole thing is Joe Sy and you know what he's thinking about. Obviously, blew the game in LA. I believe he was at that Clippers game, and then also tonight. Not only do the Nets blow another fourth quarter lead, but as you mentioned, the Knicks took over. Knicks fans took over Barclays Center. You know they were chanting all over the place because Nets fans don't really care to go to the game right now because they're not happy with the product on the court and the performance. And even for the expectations we had for the season, the Nets aren't meeting that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. They're not mean. There's no like the expectations are just 500. <laughs> yeah, like the expectations are to be just like average ish. And you know, I was asked that on Nick's film school, you know, the other day, like what are the expectations for the Nets right now? And it's just like, so I, I just want to see something like have something to ride my hat on as a Nets fan right, right now. And it's cool to see that Mikhail and Cam J got their name on the list of the uh, Team USA possibly going to the Paris Olympics. Yeah, cool. That's fine. Cam Thomas, like, what did he do wrong tonight to not get in the in, get closing crunch time minutes, fourth quarter minutes for an extended period? Like, I just don't get it. Like, he was, he's taken like this Clippers game was like really positive for him. He's figuring out things like just overall. He's not just a shot chucker anymore. He'd be having like six, seven, eight assists tonight if DFS and Royce knew how to hit a three when it actually mattered and, and some other guys as well. But come on, like it just feels like trade Cam Thomas to a better situation where a team actually values him and can utilize him. Because where this organization is right now, Cam Thomas is succeeding in this despite everything against him despite the lack of minutes, despite the changing role. And that's full credit to him and his maturity. But when Nets fans are looking for something to cling on to in terms of their fandom, in terms of something to ride home about, yeah, I'm a Nets fan. This is the reason why Cam Thomas is doing something. Mikael Bridges is growing. Cool. Mikael Bridges had a nice little bounce back game. And I think that he had a, a good game overall. But again, like he looked good in off-ball situations a lot tonight. He was running downhill. He was getting handoffs. And then in the closing periods of the game when it was DSJ leading things and Dennis Jr. was fine and I thought he provided good energy, it just felt like Cam Thomas in that place or in DF- excuse me, DFS's place would have allowed opportunities for the responsibility. And Cam like, he had nice chemistry with Nick Claxton as well. Yeah, it's I don't know, man. I'm I'm just starting to get over it, Nick. Well, yeah, I think again, this gets back to kind of the balancing of lineups, and that's you know if you're making the decision to roll with Clax, Dorian Finney-Smith, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, now you can probably afford to have someone who's maybe not the best defender, but more of an offensive-minded player because you have Clax and DFS and Mikel out there. And instead, you know, Vaughn elects to go with DSJ. And I thought he was fine defensively, but I think offensively, he obviously has shortcomings. You even saw Jalen Brunson defending him and giving him like a six foot cushion at one point in the fourth quarter. So it's just like, that's where I think it gets really frustrating. And the thing, like you mentioned with Cam Thomas, this is where I think the frustration gets pretty high with Jacques Vaughn. And again, I, this, you know, we didn't go into this podcast saying we're going to be, you know, shitting on Jacques Vaughn for the entire episode, but it's frustrating the aspect of, He's maintaining standards that, you know, winning the game isn't necessarily the most important thing. You know, after that Clippers game, you talk about there being some positive takeaways and different things like that, even though they blew, you know, a tw- uh, they allow the Clippers going a 22-0 run to end the game. But then in a similar situation where you'd be looking for improvements and growth from a player of your standard isn't necessarily, you know, winning a championship contending the season you'd want to develop a young guy like cam thomas and let him play through some of those issues a little bit more especially as you mentioned when he's showing progress as a passer i think it's pretty apparent over the course of the last week or so 
he's really made strides in that area and looking more comfortable in reading defenses. And yes, there's still some bad shots in there, but there's progress being made and you want to continue that progress and you want to encourage that progress. And when you're not doing that, it's kind of sending the wrong message. So, and again, I, I think there's still plenty of things Cam can get Cam Thomas get better at, but there's clear evidence that he's getting better. Yeah, nurturing growth is what a coach should do. I, and you would think that was the goal of the season based off of the coaching staff. I, I like you'd think, Nick. You'd think. Like it just feels like to me that there are no goals right now. <laughs> there is aimlessness within the Nets organization. Like I'm I'm gonna have to like get a thesaurus soon to come up with like new adjective to describe where the Nets organization is at. Like something will probably happen, you know we'll trade for someone or something and it'll be something to talk about on the pod and we'll have fun and I'm having fun doing this despite you know my clear frustration but it just like the direction is like the road to nowhere and it's like I I think I've said this before you preach enjoy the journey enjoy the the, the little things here and there I enjoyed three and a half quarters but when you play five six minutes of shit basketball led by whoever you want to attribute the blame to and the Neds lose, how are we supposed to enjoy that? Like yeah. I can acknowledge, you know, the process and some of the execution in those three and a half quarters, but sports is the games of winning and losing and the Nets keep freaking losing. They're like, if we were talking about the, the teams that are the worst teams in the clutch, that is the Nets. The Nets are making losing in the clutch an art form they are making losing the unlosable games an art form right now going up against the minnesota timbers and the houston rockets if the nets are up by anything less than 18 points i'm gonna be biting my nails <laughs> i i think too is it also prevents you from enjoying the first three quarters when the back of your head you just think they're gonna blow the game and you don't have confidence they can maintain a lead you know, I think during the broadcast, they showed something since like December 14th. The Nets are the worst team in the fourth quarter with like a minus 18 net rating or something along those lines. So that's really as bad as it gets in the fourth quarter. And again, this Nets team is not stacked, is not, you know, full of superstars or anything. There's enough talent where they should be able to grind out some of these wins, uh, uh, grind out wins against some of these teams based off of what they have and the nights that some of the guys are having. And there's just... It just feels like they're not able to put the correct combination on the floor together, and then the confidence goes downhill. And again, as we mentioned to start the show, it's just like an overall black cloud, bad vibes. Like you can feel the negativity on the court from the players, where they feel like the doubt kind of sinks in for them. All right, Nick, are we ready for a Jacques Vaughn quote? <laughs> you, you ready let's, for it, mate? Let's do Re it. Okay, deep breath, uh, listeners. Via Lucas Kaplan, Jacques Vaughn says he thought about closing with Thomas at the point guard, but that Brooklyn tried it last game against the Knicks, and I didn't like the returns on it. I've tried Cam Thomas at the one. I'd love to be able to do that and give him more minutes on the floor. Um, I have an expensive laptop that I record this podcast on, and we are very lucky that I'm not breaking it into a million pieces, reading the utter tripe that the man that shares my name keeps spewing onto us as Nets fans. I I can't say enough bad things about this guy. Like, I am ashamed to be a Nets fan because this man is the mouthpiece for my organization right now. It is frustrating beyond compare. I, I mean, it really is. I mean, 
you go back and you're and he's referencing a game that I believe happened in December. And this was obviously a completely different Nets team. And Cam Thomas, as we just talked about, has definitely made strides in terms of setting others up. And then it's just also you're reacting to the situation, which is tonight. And also, like, you have the luxury, too, of having Mikel on the floor, who also had great defensive minutes against Jalen Brunson in this game. So I don't think that's really your biggest issue. And uh, Mikel also in this one was playing well. You know, it's and also the way that the Knicks were playing defense in this game they were doubling a lot or sending extra attention without the ball even being dribbled at times. So almost creating advantage for this Nets team just by passing the ball. So if there was a night where you could probably get away with not having the most polished point guard out there all the time, this was probably a good opportunity to do that. And I think Cam Thomas has shown enough where you should run it back again. You know, like no disrespect to Dennis Smith Jr. We know who he is as an NBA player. He's a backup guard. And some might not even say he's, guaranteed to be in rotation of every playoff team you know based off of the up and down of his play so it's just like you were saying Dennis Smith Jr. has proven more to you in terms of you know offensive basketball and running the offense than Cam Thomas has showcased over the course of the last you know week or two because that's the sample size we're using because obviously things change as the season progresses like I just don't understand how you can just Basketball is a game of putting the ball in the basket. The Brooklyn Nets, like it, we're going down to like reductive, simplistic, like the most simplest of things. The Nets can't score in clutch time. They can't. Now, Cam Thomas might go 0 of 8 in clutch time, but I'd rather have that guy out there because I feel like I have a greater opportunity of him maybe going 5 of 8 or him creating opportunities for Nick Claxton in pick and roll on lob opportunities, or to create openings for a DFS and Mikel Bridges on, on handoffs or on secondary opportunities. Because Cam Thomas isn't like a perfect NBA player. Like people might like shy away and go, oh, Jack, you're, like, Jack, you're supposed to be obsessed with this guy. Yeah, I, like, I love him as a, as a prospect. And I think he's going to be a really special player if the Nets can somehow realize what they have on their hands. But it is absolutely shocking what Jacques Vaughn continues to say. And like the Lonnie Walker stuff was, was shocking this itself. It's just like, it feels like, and I think Saint from Nets kingdom and net spaces and stuff has said this as well. Like the lack of accountability from Jacques Vaughn himself. It feels like his house definitely has no mirrors. There's no <laughs> mirrors in there because he ain't looking himself in that at all. When he wakes up, he looks at a blank wall. And that's what it feels like we're doing as Nets fans. We're like banging our head against that wall and expecting something, something from Jacques Vaughn to say, hey, yeah, maybe I made the wrong rotation there. Hey, maybe I should have subbed in Cam Thomas. Yeah. Oh. I mean, uh, it's tough. And it's also just, it's just like, what do you lose, you know, trying to run him in that situation? You know, that's also kind of what I don't understand too, is just like, what what's like holding you back you're like again it's no disrespect to Dennis Smith Jr but it's just like that's who's preventing you from running Cam Thomas on the floor after he was having a pretty efficient night you know obviously I think he had maybe oh, just one turnover on the night six of 11 from the field three ball wasn't on but he looked like he was doing good things you know had good passes to Nick Claxton down low it's just I don't know it, it, it again it's just very frustrating to watch this team where things just Again, the direction doesn't feel like it's there. 
the overall vibe is very negative around the whole situation. It's just, where do you go from here? And like you said, best thing that can happen is we get some splash moves at the deadline and that doesn't necessarily have to be to add better players. It might just be opening up minutes to force the young players into the rotation or maybe a coaching change. Yeah. Like the, the decision-making I don't trust from like, I, I just, I just don't trust the decision-making from the leadership at the Nets. The Nets need a reset. The, I think that's like, pretty obvious right now. Yeah, like you it's you need to hit that reset button a billion times. Yeah. And just ch- change something. Clean house. I think uh, it just feels not to say Sean Marks has done a completely terrible job, but I think it, sometimes you're just there for too long. You've had your shot. It hasn't been successful. It's time to start a new era in Brooklyn. That's sometimes just where you're at. And I don't think Joe Sy is going to do that. Like, it's just, we need to put it into perspective. Like, we want certain things to happen as fans. We want, you know, Jacques Vaughn to be relieved of his head coaching duties because he's not capable enough. He's not competent enough. We want Sean Marks to be relieved of his duties because there needs to be a, 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 a set of fresh eyes and a change in this organization. But Joe Sy is not going to do all of that. Like, he still probably would have got, like, great returns on... The, the sold-out Barclays where 75 80% of them were Knicks fans. Yep. That's all he cares about at the end of the day. Like, until we we hear or see any evidence of different, like, until we hear Sean Mark speak, we hear Joe Sire speak, until, like, I'd rather hear them speak than Jacques Fawn right now because I'm going insane hearing the same, like, absolute word salad come from his mouth. Like... It's just, it's aimless. It's boring. It's boring, Nick. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a great way to describe, I think, the net season and kind of just the task of watching the game sometimes. It's like you mentioned, you know, coming off with the Timberwolves and the Rockets, it's just like you don't have any confidence they're going to win those games or there's going to be anything fun to take away. They might play well for three and a half quarters, then you get to the crunch time, and then all of a sudden they blow another game. And we love to be wrong. We love to see them go on a stretch, you know, on a run and win some games. But it just – usually you we've done this for a while. You can kind of get a feel for a team. doesn't seem like a turnaround is going to happen without some major change. Can I, like, completely agree with you in saying that we could be wrong? Like, I will happily be wrong. If Jacques Fon suddenly turns things around, if Sean Mark suddenly turns things around and finds the spark that ignites this team, because it means the Nets will be good. Yeah. And if the Nets are good, we're going to be happy because yes, we are podcasters, but we're more than that, we're fans of this team. We've been fans of this team before that. You've been fans of this team for years beyond even me. If the Nets are good and it means, and Jacques Fon is head coach and Sean Marks is GM and Josiah is owner, I'll be ecstatic because the Nets are good. That's the thing that I think some people think when people have certain emotionality or irrationality to their fandom. It's just like, no, I want this team to be good. Like, I'll happily eat the humblest of pies if Ben Simmons comes back and is a goddamn superstar. If Cam Johnson hits a billion clutch threes. If Cam Thomas is actually played and executes. Like, I will happily because I want the Nets to be good. It's lost in the frustration, the irrationality made for me, the emotionality that I bring to the pot and I bring to whatever platform that I'm on. I want the Nets to be good, man. That's it at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, usually, you know, we are criticizing a decision because we don't agree with it because we think it's reflecting negatively on what 
is happening for the Nets. You know, they could have been in a better situation if there was a different decision made in a lot of these cases. And like you said, we want the team to be good. And I don't think it makes you, you know, a worse fan if you're criticizing a player or a coach on the team. It's just your way of showcasing how you feel about a certain situation. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion on how to be a fan and what you want to do. And at the end of the day, if we don't like Jock Vaughn, we don't think he's a good coach. It's because we want the Nets to be good. And we think Jock Vaughn is not necessarily preventing the Nets from being good, but he's at this point is preventing them from at least being mediocre. You know, I think that's, that's having a level of play. And again, this Nets team is not stacked up, but I think there's been opportunities to at least probably win three to five more games. And not to say that's a huge deal, but it definitely makes the season more enjoyable when you win a game. You're just happier. That's just kind of how it goes. There's really no other way around it. You watch sports for your team to win. You're not, you're rarely ever watching for them to lose. And in that situation, you'd be tanking, hoping for a number one pick, which the Nets can't even do at this point in time. But Jack, anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? I'm exhausted, man. Like, <laughs> it's like where I'm recording from right now, I always record upstairs when I'm with you. And it's like 89, 85, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I think that's like 30, 35, you know, Celsius. It's like boiling in here and it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't help combine with where I'm feeling emotionally as a Nets fan right now. So let's uh see what happens against the T-Wars and the Houston Rockets. But you know, we'll, we might do a little bit of a, a pot in between and discuss maybe some changes with trades that could be made. But it's always good jumping back on with you, Nick. Yeah, it was great talking to you, Jack. It'd be a lot better if the Nets could find a way to close the fourth quarter. But big thanks everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.